Have you ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Or maybe what they use to keep their skin looking so flawless? Well, even if I don't know these answers, I can tell you something equally as interesting and unicorn related. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. I'll admit it does sound a little too good to be true. But unlike that majestic and also incredibly fictitious unicorn, HubSpot for startups is all real. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, June 29th. We've got the whole team here. Rob Litterst. What's going on, Zach? Juliet Bennett-Ryla. Hey. And Jacob Cohen. Howdy, folks. I'm Zachary Crockett, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. We've got three stories for you today. Rob's going to fill you in on the unlikely rise of TikTok's biggest star, an ex-factory worker who has 142 million followers. Juliet's going to break down the business of on-demand stock photos. And JC's got the scoop on why rideshare drivers are in love with Tesla right now. But before we get into all that good stuff, let's fill you in on the latest in business and tech. One of the biggest accounting firms in the world was just fined $100 million. The SEC found that a significant number of employees at Ernst & Young cheated on the ethics portion of their CPA exam and that the company knew about the cheating and failed to stop it. That's the largest fine ever levied on an accounting firm in U.S. history. And it's about double what KPMG had to pay out in a similar scandal in 2019. The auditors need an auditor. Bed Bath & Beyond is also facing some heat here. Analysts are accusing the retailer of cutting off the AC in its stores to lower expenses and make up for a slump in sales. Bed Bath & Beyond is facing declining foot traffic and plunging sales. So probably not the best time for an air conditioning scandal. But for what it's worth, the company is denying the allegations. A new survey from McKinsey found that 92 million American workers, that's about 58% of the workforce, now have the option to work remotely at least one day a week. And even crazier, the study also found that about one in three workers now has the option to work remotely five days a week. So remote work isn't going anywhere, at least not yet. And lastly, Pushkin Industries, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast production company, reached an agreement with A24 that would give the independent film studio the first look at adapting Pushkin's projects to the big screen. All right, let's get to the beef. Rob, I want to kick it off with you. What are you looking at today? Yeah, so I heard whispers of this guy, Kabi Lame, the new king of TikTok, about a month ago. I think the New York Times wrote an article on him and just about his growing followers so rapidly on TikTok. It's absolutely ridiculous. And a few days ago, he ended up passing Charlie D'Amelio, who had had the most followers on TikTok for the last two years. So Hmm. huge, huge move in the TikTok throne. Yeah. How many followers are we talking here? (laughs) Right at around 145 million. Last time I checked, it was 144.6, but like the rate at which this guy's growing followers is completely insane. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at like 150 by tomorrow. Wow. All right. And also the news drives an increased number, you know, uh, followers. Oh, yeah. He's probably going to get just so many more followers once this news of him beating Charlie D'Amelio breaks out. Wow. And this guy, he has kind of an unlikely rise to fame, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So in March 2020, Lame was working at a factory in Italy and had actually been laid off. And his dad basically told him, you know, like any father of a teenager, go apply for more jobs. And instead of doing that, Kabi started posting TikTok videos. The thing that differentiates him, so a lot of the early leaders in TikTok, Charlie D'Amelio and her sister Dixie being two of them, Addison Ray, there are many, many others from that crew that grew these just massive followers from posting dance videos and trends videos and stuff like that. Lame is different. His kind of style of video and a lot of his most popular videos kind of embraces style where he essentially does reaction videos to the big trends and mm. these kind of elaborate how-to videos that are <laughs> getting really popular on the platform. He kind of like rips on other influencers a lot, doesn't he? Exactly. And it's yeah. genius. It's genius. <laughs> yeah. But the big thing also about his videos, you never hear his voice. He doesn't speak in his right. videos. Maybe there's some music, but they're basically silent. Mm. He's basically like a mime. Like that's the kind right. of humor. Is he the modern day Charlie Chaplin, Jason? Yeah, he's the modern Charlie Chaplin. But the interesting thing, you know, he's been growing his following for a while. Hmm. Literally, it's like territorial battles on TikTok where you have hordes of followers try to wage like an overtaking of Charlie D'Amelio at certain times. And they've tried and tried and tried, have not been able to do it until last week. Wow. Yeah. It's like staging a coup or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> People just love his story and love that he's actually funny and as you know, is talented um, in that sense, whereas a lot of these other TikTokers don't necessarily have you know, real talent in that sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. They're talented in some ways. I literally looked at like a list of the top 10 TikTokers on Wikipedia earlier while I was researching this. And yeah, if you watch videos from a lot of the other members of the top 10, it's, it's a lot of like the dance videos and some of that yeah. stuff that we were mentioning before. And this guy, Kabi Lame is just genius because I think so many kind of like normal people that look at these TikTok trends think they're absolutely absurd, but like hmm. nobody on TikTok is really making fun of them. They all just go along with it. And this guy comes yeah. along <laughs> <laughs> and just absolutely crushes it by tapping into exactly what everybody's thinking. Yeah. All right, so I'll play the dumb guy here, but 145 million followers, that's just a load. Like, that's insane. That's It's a load. And the crazier part is you think about, like on Instagram, the most followed account, I believe, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he has about maybe in the 400 million range, maybe a little less. But, you know, Kabi started his TikTok following in like 2020. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the rate of that growth is just insane. It also is interesting. It just shows you the difference between a platform like Instagram and mm -hmm. TikTok when the top five accounts on Instagram are people like Ronaldo, The Rock, Selena Gomez or something. I don't Kyle know. Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And on TikTok, it's people like a 22-year-old from Senegal who's living in Italy who got fired from his factory job two years ago. So... It's pretty cool. It's what they talk about, right? It's, they talk about the TikTok algorithm and how it can just kind of boost somebody's following if they're making good content. Like you don't necessarily mm -hmm. have to have this existing follower base to succeed on TikTok. And this is proof. I mean, it's it's been two years. My somewhat ignorant question here is 145 million followers. I still don't quite understand how TikTokers make money. Like, is there any system of monetization there? Jacob might be able to add a little bit more to this from what I was reading today. It doesn't sound like he's been able to monetize much from TikTok. I think he's pulled hmm. in some money from their creator fund, but it sounds like he's doing some brand partnerships. He lives in Italy, so he's Senegalese, but he, he's lived in hmm. Italy since he was one. And he still lives there. And Barilla Pasta Company is one of the biggest pasta companies out of Italy. And I think he has a sponsorship going with them. I think probably a few other companies as well. But as far as 
directly from TikTok, I don't think he's making too much money. Sure. He has some fashion deals. You'll see him on some billboards in different places. There are also TikTok is working on, I'm not sure if they already rolled it out, but revenue share deals with creators where creators will get a percentage of you know, the ad dollars that come in and he gets a lot of views and it'll probably work out well for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this guy's doing well for himself. Right. So part of it is kind of the nature of his videos, but there's this whole other side of it that I think is really, really interesting. So a lot of the other TikTokers that we were talking about before have really kind of polished production and it looks really, really nice. Like well, everything that they're filming looks like really high quality and professional. Kabi Lame's videos do not look professional. Some of them lately look a little bit more professional, but his most popular videos that if you're kind of scrolling over the last few months, mm -hmm. a lot of them are filmed in his bedroom with low lighting. Like it doesn't really seem like he's putting a ton of effort into it, which I think people really like. Like I think a big part of his growth is just his relatability and the fact that mm -hmm. he seems really authentic. JC talked about it earlier. You know, you don't really hear his voice. And so a lot of the time you're just kind of seeing his reaction through his facial expressions, which he was actually quoted in the New York Times piece as calling that kind of his global language. It mm. totally seems like it translates. Like people are just watching his facial reactions to these things that are kind of goofy and, and absolutely loving it. But I think it's this push towards authenticity that people really, really like. He's really kind of bucking the influencer trend on TikTok. Mm. He almost feels like an anti-influencer to me. Mm. Yes. A lot of the influencers who initially came to fame did so by presenting this extremely luxurious, bougie lifestyle. A lot of them are women who had like perfect makeup and really cute outfits. Most of that was sent to them by brands. So they had like this very almost like a facade of like this mm -hmm. amazing life. Whereas I feel like Kabi gets on and he takes a video of someone with a life hack that's just kind of silly, like a multi-step yeah. process to fold a sheet or change a <laughs> roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and then he just does it the way that you would normally do it without any of this pomp and circumstance. And then he has his signature facial expression that he makes that everyone can understand. It's just sort of like, ta-da, like this is not impressive. <laughs> and I think in that way, he's very relatable to people who are just living their lives. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about in the pandemic, people were at home wearing their sweatpants and they were looking for authenticity. And I think Kabi <laughs> brings that, you know, he's yeah. not out jet setting and, yeah. and totally. on a yacht. He's the people's <laughs> champion. Yeah, he's great. We'll see if it stays this way, you know. Juliet, you looked into something a little different here. I would think this was kind of a niche need, but apparently it's something that a lot more people need. But a company that is trying to fill basically on-demand stock photos, right? Yeah, they're kind of like a, they call themselves a fast casual product photography company. And I actually found them because they opened a studio in Los Angeles and they had a little opening where they were inviting brands to come in and get product photography. Um, and it's mm. kind of interesting how quickly they're able to do it. They have a 24-hour turnaround. That's what's really interesting about them. So the company is called Asuna. Uh, it was founded by two women, Liz Georgie and Haley Anderson in 2018. Initially, they were focused on those kind of in-person studios where let's say you sell packaged cookies, right? You would book a time slot, you'd bring your cookies. They would have everything you needed there. Props, colorful backgrounds. They're very good at styling to make attractive photos that you can use in ads on your website, et cetera. If you want, they even have models. They have human models and pet models mm. if you happen to sell pet products. And that was kind of their focus at first. And then of course the pandemic happened. What really I think accelerated their growth was they decided to pivot to a remote product photography model. So mm. now if let's say you're a D2C company, you can ship them your items and say, okay, these are the 10 items I want shot. And then you book a photo shoot and you attend it online. And as they take the pictures, 
they populate on the website that you're looking at. So you can say like, okay, I really like that one, but could we try this color? Or I really like this one, but maybe we could move it. So the label is more straightforward, whatever you need. So it's very quick. It's very simple. And they have an eye for it already. Smart. And I guess it's fairly affordable. I have never bought product photography, but I guess you can pay $39 for one photo or you can get a package. That price goes up if you're like, I need a really cute dog to wear these dog sweaters that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. But I talked to a couple of the business owners that were present at the opening. One was a woman, Emily DeLapp. She has a company that sells scented lip balms. And the other woman, Carla Sancho, has a bridal accessories company called Wedding Collectibles, which is a company I don't really think about a lot, but that's where you would get your wedding toppers to put on your cake, etc. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they need pictures for their website. And, you know, they don't want to rent out a studio. They don't want to use their phone. They don't want to hire a photographer all day. One of them was telling me, you know, they, they've sometimes had fashion photographers come in, but they have a different eye for it. So hmm. this has been really convenient for them to be like, hey, I need this. It's got to go up on Instagram. It's going to be my ad. And it's very fast and easy. They do work with larger brands uh, like Birchbox and Mm. Lola tampons. But for small businesses who maybe only have a few products, it seems very accessible. I mean, this is also just perfect timing for a business like this. You know, just Mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, especially the number of Shopify sites that have gone up where people just kind of make some CPG item or start Mm -hmm. selling T-shirts with their brand on something and they want to have, you know, good pictures of it. Right. This exactly fulfills that need. Um, yeah. And photography is mm-hmm. everything, you know, yeah. if you want to differentiate yourself from the sea. It's kind of like having a good thumbnail on YouTube or something. You just you need mm-hmm. very, very good product photos of your of your offerings if you want to stand out on those, you know, Facebook ads or whatever. Yeah, I've seen pretty cool websites that kind of try to accomplish this, but through like automation. So they'll have pre-made photos with like a person with a blank T-shirt and you can kind of just upload your mm-hmm. logo on it. But this is a whole nother level, obviously, and just a hundred times better in every single way and so much more valuable. And I feel like I can tell. Oh, yeah. And you can tell. You can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was cool to watch them do it in real life because there's one company that they they sold a bunch of different lipsticks and cosmetics. And then there was another company that made like these really cute cookies and they were all kind of combining their products like, oh, what if I put some of my cookies and then you match it to a shade of your lipstick? So it was kind of cool to see these brands sort of interact. I don't imagine that happens often because, you know, you would be booking an individual slot, but it was cool to see. All right, JC, let's move over to you. We got one more story on the docket. Uber drivers and Tesla. Yes. Something of a love affair going on. All right. So I'm going to start with a little story about this news because I kind of experienced it firsthand. Last week, I ordered an Uber. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, the car I got was a Tesla. And so, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. I get in, uh, I tell the driver, I'm like, you got a sweet ride here. And he says, it's not mine. I rent it from Uber. So then I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I remember last year, Hertz signed a deal with Tesla to get like 100,000 vehicles. And then Uber came out saying, you know, they want to electrify their fleet by 2030. And they're going to partner with Hertz to rent out a bunch of these Teslas to their drivers. And yesterday, Uber announced that over 15,000 drivers have signed on to rent these Teslas. Mm. And they've done more than 5 million Tesla rides, accounting for over 40 (laughs) million miles driven. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Is this like a gas price thing? Like why why the sudden spike? It's a great question. Yeah. So the cool part is the economics from what I've gathered for the Uber driver appear to work out quite nicely Hmm. and also just nicely for everyone, right? For Uber, they can say they're electrifying their fleet. It's very good. But I asked the driver, I'm like, how much damage are we talking? You know, it's got to cost a lot to rent a Tesla week by week from Uber. And he said, you're dead wrong. 
I'm saving a ton of money. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, it costs around $400 for him to rent the car each week. But he has $0 in fuel costs because he has free electric charging units at his apartment building. And even if those weren't free, he'd be saving a ton of money on gas. And he said beforehand, he was paying for his own car. And on top of that, he was paying sometimes $500 a week on gas. So I was doing the math and I'm like, damn, by renting the Tesla, he's saving money just on the difference between what you would be spending on the gas and the rental payment. And on Mm. top of that, He's not paying for his own car or the insurance or anything like that. And on top of that, it's a Tesla. So it's probably fun to drive around a Tesla. Riders like riding in Teslas for sure, although I got a little nauseous, I will say that. Um, But generally, better customer experience. So very interesting development. Was the nausea Tesla specific, JC, or is this something you ate before jumping in? I'll have to uh, drive with him again and see. Maybe it was the driving. Was it because you knew you were supporting Elon Musk or something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it was just a a big change from back in the day when you get into someone's like old station wagon. Yeah, yeah. Am I going to be safe here? You know? You know, it's, it's funny. Like, I remember seeing a meme on Twitter a while back when gas prices first started ballooning up. A lot of Tesla drivers were all over Twitter kind of bragging about the fact they didn't have to pay for gas. Yeah. And there was a meme floating around that was like Tesla drivers bragging about gas, but meanwhile, like hiding the fact that they're paying like $800 a month for their car. You know? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like maybe using Uber as a way to pay off your car is a good model to subsidize that. And also, you know, Tesla cars have actually, this is kind of been like quiet. They've continued to go up in price as opposed to down in price, which has been their Have goal. They yes. Really? I thought they'd been going down. Exactly. You think that it's incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> they've been going up in price, which is interesting and something that not a ton of people are talking about, especially the Tesla mm-hmm. fans, because obviously it's kind of against their thesis. In the long run, I'm sure they'll go back down. But over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, they've gone up. Model 3 has gone up in price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tesla chargers only charge Teslas, correct? Because I also took a Tesla Uber the other day mm. and was surprised to see a Tesla. But I'm sure in large metro areas like Boston and Los Angeles, you're not going to run into trouble finding a place to charge your Tesla. I wonder if that's true in other areas. I think their chargers only charge Teslas. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, is that like with Apple where you have to get like the USB-C adapter <laughs> for literally everything? Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at thehustle.co. Also, check out our newsletter. All the good stuff's in there every day. Hope you have a nice Wednesday, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.